0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you for checking out another edition of Morton's Law Podcast. I know it's been a while, and I'm not going to apologize again because that becomes redundant and it doesn't mean anything. Obviously, life happens, and I go through a lot, but I'm here, and I'm going to try and bring you something. I'm going to tell you what has happened recently. I'm going to talk about, of course, pro wrestling, some sports, and uh, just a lot that has happened. So, the, the first thing I'm going to talk about is that during the Christmas week, I ended up getting sick and sure enough, I went and waited on line for, which was a hell of an experience by the way. <clears throat> I waited on line for about four hours to get tested for COVID here on Staten Island where I was encountered by the worst kind of human beings on the planet. Yes, white trash. They're everywhere and they multiply like gremlins. You can't get rid of these people. And they have a voice and you can't shut it off. I mean, you can go to prison and shut it off, but you can't just say, hey, could you please stop talking because they don't. So I had to listen to all that propaganda that they like to spew as they waited online to get tested for COVID, something they don't believe in anyway. But that was an experience. <laughs> you know it's funny to think about, and I remember it was really cold too. It was a cold day, and just sitting there waiting, having to use the bathroom, not being able to get off the line because of course you lose your spot. Other people had people with them getting tested so they could jump off the line. Some people were going and say their cars get warmed up, then coming back online, taking turns. but what what an operation It was a total train wreck because there were only I believe one or two I think it was just two people in this van doing the testing. Actually, one person, excuse me. There were two people uh, doing the work, but one person was only doing the testing. The other person was putting everything into the computer and documenting it. Then there was a point where the line stopped moving. Like, what's going on with this line? And it just stopped moving. And then they come out and they make an announcement that they're going to lunch. And we're like, what? (laughs) What time is lunch that you're supposed to? That's another thing. They were supposed to leave at 8 o'clock. So now time is ticking because it's six. And I look at the line ahead of me and I go, I'm going to be lucky if I even make this. And I had to get tested for work purposes. And this was not good. So I uh, I got lucky, though, because after them coming out again and saying that they had a, a printer failure, the printer failed on them. So they had to somehow fix that in conjunction with going to lunch. They fixed it all. I was... Listen to this. They made an announcement, and there was still about 40 people online, and they made it a low announcement because they didn't want everyone to hear it, because that could have been World War Three. As it was, they were being threatened by some people who were basically telling them that something's something bad is going to happen to them if they don't get tested tonight, which was really it just turned into Staten Island, if you will. I mean, it was really an ugly scene for a minute there with some people saying they work for the government or they work for the city, and yet still threatening people. So that just says, hey, no matter who you work for, you can still threaten people, but they make this announcement, hey, we're only going to be taking a few more people. And oh, by the way, we're out of the the uh, the rapid tests. We can only do the PCR now, which of course takes a few days to get the result. And <laughs> I just thought, oh my goodness, when I leave here, I'm going to hear about this on the news because someone's going to get murdered tonight. That was my initial thought. And <clears throat> uh, I didn't read anything or hear anything, so I guess nothing did happen, but when I was taken... They said only a few more people, and it was still about 25 on this line. So, I I mean, that must have been a a difficult time for those people to get out of there. But, uh, yeah, that was an eventful experience. Uh, Being sick here for a week with the chills, with the headache, with the fever, you name it. I had it all. It was brutal to this day, actually. And one of the reasons I haven't done an episode is because I've kind of lost my voice at times. I am a lot I'm very phlegmy often and my voice cracks when I talk so far it hasn't thankfully, but especially working with children when I have to raise my voice to announce something, my, I've noticed my voice is giving out on me. And it's not a pleasant experience and I heard from a coworker who told me that his friend had the same experience that his voice too wasn't the same after having covid. But uh, it was my fault because I didn't get the booster in time. I should have had it in September because I got the second shot back in May. So I had plenty of time, but I just said, oh, I'll be okay. But then, of course, you work with kids. And I was subjected to everything around me. And these kids take their masks off to eat. I think I talked about that on a previous episode. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so that was not fun. And uh, then what else happened? Let me see. Oh, most recently, I had knee surgery again because the first surgery, not saying anything bad about the doctor, but the meniscus didn't recover the way I thought it would or repair, however you want to put it. I uh, I was unable to really play basketball and to run, and I was still having pain climbing stairs. And I just said, you know what? Let me just have this surgery done because the kids were out of school during President's Week. So I had it done, and I'll tell you. I learned a lot because the doctor had to go in there and do a lot. He had to remove screws from a surgery I had 25 years ago. And in doing so, I had a huge incision down my knee. Normally, they do arthroscopic. It's on the side of the knee, so it's, not, it's a very small incision. But this one is gigantic. It's disgusting, actually. And then I went to go get the stitches removed. And I come to find out a week later... Not even a week later, a couple days later, my physical therapist says, you still have stitches in your leg. I'm like, what? What's going on here? So, I mean, my doctor's great, don't get me wrong. But somehow there was an oversight, and he didn't see a couple stitches. And when I went back to him, he not only took the stitch out or two, I don't even know how many were in there, he cleaned up the area really well. So it was it was bad. It's just a horrible. I'm still unable to put I, – I can put full weight on it to a degree, but not for an extended period of time. I have not been back to work yet, so I've been losing money there, which is horrible. And it's just been really tough, not only with the COVID, with the knee surgery, and just the in between stuff of just the everyday depression that I encounter. And but I'm I'm trying to snap out of this. I'm working with my therapist now, trying to get better in terms of not dwelling on the negative, trying to just be better, and not let any form of rejection. Because I'll I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Whenever I see how many people listen to the podcast or view my YouTube show. Or whenever I do a YouTube hit, which is rare, it's, it, it, it's a form of rejection because I say, oh, people don't like me or the people don't come back and listen to me. And that's just a hard pill for me to swallow. And I end up giving up, which is horrible. It's a horrible thing to do. You can't give up. There are many people who do podcasts, who do YouTube shows, and it takes years and years and years to build an audience. And I have to remember that every time I come out here and do a show because. To to just give up after a year and a half, essentially, I did what fifty episodes for everybody, and and, I, and my listenership did increase from year one to year two. I actually t- uh, tweeted that out. I think I put it on Facebook. I was I was grateful to the people who did listen, and that's a disservice to the, to, to the people who like the show of me just shutting it down and not doing episodes. Now, granted, the voice was a factor, and other things did, but I uh, I need to come out here and do this every week. Because it's also therapeutic to do my comedy, to just tell my life story. And I think I was going deeper and deeper into my depression not doing this. And it's taken a long time to snap out of it. But I had a bit of an, uh, an eye-opening experience this past week with my doctor on the phone. Just how he, he tells me how good it is that I know my issues and that I'm accountable for my actions. And I say, yeah, but I still have to correct that stuff. So it just, it made me say, wait, no, you're the one that has to correct it. I have to correct it. No one else is, people are going to just tell you you have these problems. So this is step one. I want to believe that I will be back here again next week doing another episode because I have to do this. This is, this is something I need to do and I need to get back on stage and do comedy also because it just helps me get through life because at this moment I enjoy very little of anything. And I talked about that with my therapist and doctor, I said, I, I, the sports I used to love, I don't love anymore. I don't love, I still watch it, but I'm okay when my team loses. I don't lose my mind. I don't break things, which probably is a good thing in a way, but I don't, I don't get, I'm not over invested into anything and it's, it's bad. Sometimes I just sit there and go, wow, I hate everything. I've been watching movies a lot during the time I've been off, well, not off, but just recovering from surgery and I've been watching movies like 40-year-old Virgin, Knocked Up, and uh, This Is 40, a lot of the Judd Apatow movies. And, and the character in the movie Pete, which is played by Paul Rudd, is a miserable married man. And I'm like, every time I watch these movies, I go, that's me. The only difference is I'm not married with children. I am exactly like this character Pete, who hates every day of his life and is miserable, and nobody wants to be around them. And... That's, that's hard. I mean, I get it when people don't want to hang out with me because I bring everything down unless everything is good for me. Like, if there's any kind of wrinkle or anything that bothers me, people are going to know that I'm angry about something. And that's another step to correct because it, it's no, I get it. I get it. And I have to I have to fix this. So moving along to lighter news, lighter news Andrew Cuomo is back in the news. Now, think about this. In the time frame, more recently anyway, of all the things that have happened, Russia invades Ukraine. You have crime in New York City back to being like the 70s and 80s. I think someone just got stabbed now. It's just, it's, it's that bad. Someone just got shot, stabbed. I mean, it, it is out of control. And you have COVID numbers thankfully coming down. I'm not going to go on a whole rant about COVID. Let's just hope it stays down. Let's hope more people get vaccinated and such. And then we have, what, Trump news every day. Is he going to run again? Yes, he will. Is he going to be indicted for this, indicted for that? Should he be? Probably. So during all this time of all these things happening, under the radar, Andrew Cuomo launches an ad campaign in an attempt to restore his image. I read the article. I didn't see the campaign. But he spoke out against cancel culture, which I am also not a fan of just because I think it's a little absurd what you can and cannot say today. I mean, it's just that's out of control. So I'll agree with him on that. But I mean, when you think about Cuomo and all the things he's done, you're like, okay. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's unbelievable. It really is. And, And the thought is, with all the things he's done, it's like, why can't he one day run for president? With with everything I just mentioned. And and here I think would be the perfect Andrew Cuomo ad if he just came out and said the following, you know, just come out and say this. Just be honest with the people. Just say, listen, you know I'm a piece of shit. But let's be honest. What did I do that's so bad? Did I commit murder? You know, not counting the elderly, I mean, who died during COVID, of course. Did I rape? Okay, no one has come forward and accused me yet. Did I try to overthrow the government? You know what? Okay, let's be honest. I'm a big fan of the government and state and this country, so I wouldn't do such a thing. Now, the big question, was I inappropriate towards women? Who isn't inappropriate around women? You know, everybody I know is. I'm I'm just saying, I do it. So what? It's not like I've ever asked a woman, Hey, can I masturbate in front of you? I wouldn't do such a thing. That's not me. I mean, I've never showed any woman my penis who didn't ask to see it. And I assure you, it's very impressive. It really is. Where was I? Oh, yeah, that's right. Despite being a piece of shit, I deserve another chance. I do. I deserve another And just remember, just remember... America, it could always be worse. This message brought to you by Andrew Cuomo. Just, I mean, come on, just, just tell us how it is. That's what I've always said about politicians. Just tell us, just say, hey, I'm, I'm worthless, <laughs> but I'm better than that guy. <laughs> That's it. I mean, there really is a level of, of, of suck in terms of politicians and, and what they do to people. So, real quick, uh, not to get into this whole war, which is horrible, by the way, of course, but, I mean, did you hear the news recently that came out that NATO apparently told Poland that they can assist Ukraine by sending them some fighter jets? Now, I don't know about you, but I just hope that message was made very clear. Okay, Poland, you're going to assist Ukraine because, you know, with the Polish, I mean, it's like, if that message was misconstrued, Poland can, you know, drop some bombs on the Ukraine by accident. I'm just, I, I just want to avoid that is what I'm saying. I mean, and speaking of mistakes, wouldn't it be funny, wouldn't it be hilarious if Russia, ac- air quotes, accidentally dropped a bomb on Poland? I mean, and then Putin was quoted as going, oops. I mean, you know, Polish people looking out the window and going, oh, look, fireworks. All right, well, we have a big show coming up. <laughs> We're going to talk about AEW, WrestleMania, the road to WrestleMania. We're going to talk about sports, some NFL trades. We have uh, NCAA tournament. The selection show just happened now as I record here this Sunday evening. And a lot more. Morton's Law Podcast coming back after this. welcome back to morton's law podcast thank you for checking me out Uh, don't forget to follow me on twitter at morton's underscore law and i'm gonna get back on youtube very soon i'm gonna start doing a lot more as i said in that first segment and um this is the step to rebuilding the trust of my audience that can come back and listen to me And know i'm not gonna just leave again so a lot has happened in pro wrestling way too much to talk about to cover three plus months since my last episode so I'm going to just go into what has happened recently, and we'll go from there. Okay, so I've always talked about AEW being the Jekyll and Hyde company. Schizophrenic is an understatement. So they go from what was, in my opinion, and what will arguably the best be the best pay-per-view of the year in revolution, to what was the most questionable dynamite ever. So many things that transpired this past Wednesday night, I still can't wrap my head around because it was just... Like, Dynamite on crack. So many things happened. But before I get into Dynamite, let me first applaud Revolution. It was as good as people may say. If you hear people say ever uh, Revolution was a great pay-per-view, I'm telling you it was, so that means something. Because I don't just come out here and tell you I'm not in a shill for any company. I will dump on every company if I can. I will tell you when WWE is good. Not many people will do that. Okay? So... Aside from, here's the thing, the, the pay-per-view is great, of course, aside from the, the women's matches, I have to be fair, alright, uh, Jade and, and Ty Conti, that was sloppy, Some Jade's still learning, so let's give her the benefit of the doubt there, I thought the Britt Baker match was okay with Under Rosa, Not, nothing to really, I mean, look, there was so many things around it that were great, when you get a match that's just average, you're like, okay, what was that? It was just blah. We're going to talk about that more later also, but... We start off the show, I mean, well, before I start off the show, I mean, just in terms of the overall pay-per-view, you had Jericho and Kingston, you had Danielson and Mox, you had MJF and Punk, and even the main event with Paige and Cole, although underwhelming, still good. And you know, you guys know me, you know, I get excited as often as a lunar eclipse or a leap year. And I was, I got into this. I got into the show. It made me care about wrestling. Even the, the pre-show, the, the, the Golem show that Wednesday, was, was well done. They built the show correctly to make you care about, and, and and some people, those who did buy it, it was great. I mean, think about it. If you spent that money, you were rewarded with that purchase. Now, people talk about the lack of star power in pro wrestling. Mainly because, look, very few people know how to get over it, let's be honest. That's the problem with, with, there's a lack of connection. I mean, fans, let's be fair, fans could care less because there's little to care about. That's the hard part. If you're not connecting, well then you're, you're losing your audience. And oftentimes it's about being real, be who you are. A lot of times they get these characters that come out on TV and try to be, they're playing a character and, and the fans see right through it. It's scripted, specifically in WWE where they just play characters. They're, they're basically actors. They're actors, they're not even wrestlers. And when I mention all that, the person I think of most in today, 2022, is Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston comes out and he's himself. He comes out and that's why they love this guy. Look at Eddie Kingston for a second, just look at him. Horrible physique, average worker, but he's great on the mic and he speaks his mind and the people love that. I mean, that connects with fans. That's the guy. He's the modern-day DDP. He is the people, champ. There's no doubt about it. And the promos he had with Jericho that Wednesday night, the go-home, all the stuff they said to each other was just brilliant. It was so well done. Even Jericho was great. And I've given him a lot of flack over the last 18 months. But that's how you sell a pay-per-view. I wanted to see this. How did you not want to see this fight? And then they they had a fight that that was the key about this they go in there and they beat the crap out of each other it wasn't a wrestling match aside from kingston dropping jericho on his head in the early stages which was really scary but thankfully jericho was okay i mean you know harsh words were said and they brawled that's as simple as wrestling should be i mean that that's great It's just, it's wrestling 101. I'm going to say that a lot today. It's wrestling 101. Make two people, you get a heel or a face, or in this case, you have two, at the moment, two fan favorites, and they have a reason to fight. Give them a reason. And look, Eddie Kingston winning was the right call. They made a good decision here to put Kingston over. I mean, look, he's never going to get a title, and he doesn't need it. Why doesn't he need a title? Because he's already over. He's over regardless. So that was well done. Eddie Kingston, I mean, look, he did it. It's, it's taken him this many years that they talk about in the promo for him to be on the big stage, and he's succeeding. And kudos to you, Eddie, love it. Now, I haven't marked out for anything in wrestling in a long time. Marked out being that extravagant fan, the fan that's gonna root and share for anything have that moment where you're so excited for those people who don't follow wrestling. Now, when Punk's ROH theme played, I'm in, I'm in the kitchen getting my pizza because I just ordered a pizza and I'm putting it on a plate. And all of a sudden, I get goosebumps. I heard it from the kitchen and I got goosebumps and I came running into the living room and I went, wow, he's doing that. And first of all, it's a great song. If you're not an ROH fan or don't know the history of ROH, go look up Punk's theme and go look at some of the entrances. See, this crowd, For AW, while some people did know it, as you saw, they shot the crowd a little bit, and one individual was singing along with the lyrics and knew it. Not everybody knew the song. A lot of people were like, what the hell is this? I'm sure a lot of people were like, what the hell is this? But If you're a fan and you go back to the early days of Ring of Honor, 2003 from 2008 when Punk was there, and a little bit after that before he went to WWE, the fans got into his entrance. I mean, they were banging on the rails as he came out to this song. And it was just, it was, it was very reminiscent for me and, and it's nostalgic to to see punk come out, especially donning the old attire, having Justin Roberts announce him as the second City Saints, all those things factored into the moment. Then, then they shoot MJF's face and he's looking like, oh no, what did I get myself into? That's the face. I mean, it's like he woke up the proverbial sleeping lion. And it was just perfect. And by the way, all this was apropos coming off of the news that Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor. So all this, it just made sense. It just made so much sense. Well done by CM Punk coming out like that. And the match was everything pro wrestling should be. Everything. Well, okay, let's be fair. We didn't need the thumbtacks. I'm not going to go on a rant about garbage wrestling, but the thumbtacks was a bit much. If you already have a dog collar and you're making each other bleed, the thumbtacks, this is a bit over, overdoing it. Didn't need it, but I mean, it was brutal. It was a brutal match even before the tax got involved. And aside from the thumbtacks, this match was brilliant. It was so brilliant. Everything was great, the selling, the pace, the facial expressions, guys looking like they're hurt, guys trying to fight through the pain, everything. I mean, they took their time and made everything matter. And a lot of people trash WWE for their style and how everything is slowed down, but this match was the closest thing to a WWE match you'll see from AEW is what I mean, and in a good way. In a good way, because WWE does have their great storytelling situations and their great matches. They do have that, and I've told you this. I don't dump on everything they do. And this match made me think of a WWE match involving two great wrestlers and working their asses off, as these two did. And it was perfect. And they they told the story, and they made people care. You had the, the hero versus the villain. However, in this match... The hero acted as close to a villain as possible, let's be fair, CM Punk threw the rules out the window in this match, he didn't care, and the fans, it didn't bother them either that he was acting like a heel, because the fans hate MJF so much, it didn't matter, wrestling 101, that's how you draw heat, that's how you draw people people's interest, and then Wardlow comes out, after these two beat the hell out of each other for like 20 plus minutes, and Warlow can't find the ring, or at least air quotes, pretends he can't find the ring. Then he gives it to Punk, and Punk KO's MJF with it. Knocked him out, Cole pinned him, one, two, three. And that's the perfect ending. Perfect ending and next level storytelling. If you didn't get this storytelling you're just lost I can't I can't explain I've spoken to people who thought oh it was a disservice to have MJF lose in this match no no because first of all there's so many different aspects to this feud in which MJF in the first time you know, he could come out and say he beat Punk twice yeah the match was restarted remember MJF cheated to beat Punk the first time in this match Punk cheated but because there's no DQ in a dog collar dog collar match it doesn't matter. So there's many ways that you can still make MJF look strong even though he lost this match. I mean, I, I just don't get it. People think about it. The heel got screwed by his bodyguard. Okay. He got screwed by his bodyguard. Then the face, the, the quote unquote, again, bear, baby face, used a foreign object to win this match. Right. Use a foreign object. To win. So think about it. The heel got out healed by his hero. The heel got out healed by his hero. That's perfect storytelling. It's great. I, w- I was impressed by how well they told the story. And then Wardlow costing MJF and the subsequent few. <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to get there. So many things. So well done. So again, this did zero to hurt MJF. As I say, relax, relax, just enjoy it. Now, MJF didn't appear on Dynamite, so I know they're going to build towards something there. And keep in mind, his promo's coming. We're going to get a a fantastic promo talking about how he was screwed or how Wardlow did this and what MJ... You know, think about it. What can can MJF say? First of all, it was not a regular wrestling match. I'm better than you, CM Punk, in a regular wrestling match. I fought your match because you made me fight your match. And you used the ring to beat me. You cannot beat me in a regular match. So that right there alone, just that brief amount of words leads to a match down the line right that's all he has to say those words but well done and uh now again with Wardlow what's going to happen because obviously he has his TNT title match coming up this coming Wednesday against Scorpio Sky we're going to talk about Sammy and, and Sky's match a little bit later on but just bravo so now we have Moxley and Danielson. Another great story. Think about it. Moxley, they say, was a young kid watching Ring of Honor. They say he was at that very first show. Now, if you saw Dynamite, the go-home show, not this past week, two weeks ago now, we got to see Christopher Daniels against Brian Danielson. And that was, an, that was a nice nostalgic match to have that because, of course, they were in the very first triple threat match along with, if memory serves me correctly, it was low-key, I want to say. I believe it was Loki or was it Xavier? I shouldn't know that and it's either Loki or Xavier. I apologize. I should have looked that up. But regardless. And so Moxley, of course, a fan, gets into the business, then eventually wrestles Danielson in multiple independent promotions, none of which was ever Ring of Honor, but he battled him, he came up short multiple times, and then they worked together in WWE. And then eventually We get this storyline here that they're back in in AEW together and now Danielson wants to join forces to teach the young guys of tomorrow. He wants to teach the guys of tomorrow, but they want to do it together. And then Moxley counters by saying, we got to bleed first before we can team together. That's how you make people care. Think about these storylines. This is so well done. Even if you hate AEW, you got to go, well, they're doing it better than the other channel or the other company right now. Because they're making people care. There's so many bad storylines on that other... I'm, I'm not even going to get into it right now because I, I have this in front of me. But it's when you look, it's night and day in terms of what you want to care about. I mean, this was wrestling. As the fans chanted during the match. This is wrestling. This is wrestling. This is now, I'm going to be critical of some stuff later. Stand by. But I have to, I have, to be, I have to speak truthful about what's good. And while the finish came out of nowhere, let's be fair. It was, it was a good match, and then out of nowhere, Moxley gets him in this, in this bridge, and Danielson gets pinned. And, you know, you can crit, be critical of the finish. That's fine. But it's refreshing. What do I talk about a lot in the, in the, in the year and a half I did this podcast, the 50 episodes? I talk about having a finish without a guy using his finisher. Because a lot of matches are just that. You get these same matches over and over again where a guy will kick out of anything, but then he kicks out of the finisher, which is often, or he gets pinned by the finisher, which is often less devastating than any move prior in the match. So the occasional win without a finish works for me. And this was perfect. And then think about the post-match. The post-match, we have the new, newly signed William Regal, which, by the way, I was surprised I asked people about this because I didn't even look it up myself, so I don't know. People just speculated. If you remember, he was in WCW for several years as Lord Steven Regal. The only reason he had to change his name in WWE or F at the time was because of Steve Austin. Vince McMahon never wanted somebody to have the same two first names, so they gave him William instead of Steve. So he became William Regal. It's kind of like Shane McMahon. Remember when Gregory Helms came over? When, uh, well excuse me, when he was Shane Helms in WCW, he came over and he had to change his name to Gregory. He was Shane Helms. Because Shane McMahon was already there. So the point is, you know, he came out as William Regal, and however that happened, it is what it is. But we're gonna talk about another interesting aspect of, of a, a new wrestler who came over and was able to use his music from WWE that, that in a minute. But um so that happened and it was great. Regal gets in Moxley's face Moxley's bleeding Regal gets in and gives him like a little like a headbutt just to get him to So he knows he's got to go shake Danielson's hand Danielson's over there laughing Then Regal gets in his face and it was it was just it was so well done and then they shake hands and they bury the hatchet So Now what was sad Was the Wednesday night on Dynamite Regal comes out both guys in the ring with Shivani regal goes down memory lanes, talks about his days in wcw back i guess he started as early as 93 which i didn't remember and um, regal didn't look well here and he didn't sound well and as he talked about it he clearly made it known that he's not doing well health wise which was alarming because it just made me think about the ultimate warrior and how everyone said he gave his his eulogy his own eulogy before he died on that monday night raw And I hope the scene doesn't happen to Regal here, but he, you know, a lot was said that was very sad. And wow, that was a tough pill to swallow, listening to him talk about everything that he's gone through. And uh, I mean, I hope, I hope he gets healthy. I hope, I hope there's a chance he gets healthy and doesn't have something life-threatening already and just isn't telling people, but, and then he later went on Twitter because apparently he didn't hit the time cue and the interview was six plus minutes and was supposed to be shorter than that. So he apologized as a, pro- as a professional on Twitter to his co-workers saying that, that that was a bad job by him. So I guess he had some memory lapses and that's why the, the interview went longer than it was supposed to unless he just took his time with it. But, you know, not a big deal there. Just just sad to hear all that. So going back to the pay-per-view, when, when it ended, when it ended, I was like... Wow, this could be pay-per-view of the year. It easily could be. And I was like, it's going to be hard to top that show. Now I know it's only March, so there's a lot of stuff to happen. But it will be hard to top that card and and the the matches itself. Then we get to Dynamite. Now I already talked about Regal, but the show opens up. Jericho in the ring, talking about his match with Kingston. He didn't shake Kingston's hand. That's one thing I left out. He didn't shake Kingston's hand to end that match. And that's what Kingston wanted. It It was a handshake if he beat him. And he says, now I'm gonna shake your hand. Come out here, Eddie Kingston. So Kingston comes out, huge pop, no surprise. And after a little bit of of hesitation, they shake hands. Then, everything goes off the rails. And you're like, what am I watching? It was just out of control. So you have 2.0 and Garcia come to the ring. They attack Jericho and Kingston. Now if you watch closely, you'll see they really weren't touching Jericho because that kind of leads to what happens next. So they attack everybody, then Santana and Ortiz hit the ring. So Santana and Ortiz are holding up Ortiz, uh, holding up, uh, excuse me, Garcia for Jericho to hit with his bat. And then Jericho ends up hitting, I forget which one he hit, Ortiz or Santana first, but he ends up hitting everybody, of course, because then the full heel turn happens. And then Jericho joins 2.0 in Garcia and they just attack and then they just brutally beat up everybody. And I mean, was it good? Okay, but it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot to, to deal with and. I didn't love it but i mean you know eh, if you liked it good for you i'm not i'm not gonna tell you you can't like it i was just i was okay with it i mean it's just like jericho goes from one think about it you go and then oh by the way hager also came out i forgot hey hager appeared to look torn what was jericho doing and then hager jumps in and so but sammy never came out so remember sammy's part of the inner circle also he never addressed anything that night later more on him later so now you get this faction what is it called the Jericho something appreciation i forget i don't know it's just absurd because i mean not to knock 2.0 but 2.0 they've never been presented as anything more than jobbers and daniel garcia is a cut above a jobber because look at his record wins and losses matter right so they they tell us so it's a stable now of jobbers versus having a stable with the inner circle of of, of more established people let's be honest i mean I don't know I don't get it but okay so then after the commercial they come back and we get hangman we get an announcement first of all that this is for the world heavyweight title and I'm like what and Dante Martin is in the ring what did I miss here I'm like and they tell us during the the, the match that Dante Martin has won won like I guess 20 of his last 24 matches and he's the number 2 contender don't quote me on the record by the way number two contender and i think of myself wait a second dante martin just lost to hobbs in the latter qualifying match i'm like how how is he not dropped in, in the rankings how is he still number two you're telling me with all the talent in this company dante martin is number two so wait how is mjf not two how's punk not two how is i mean if adam cole was one and he lost one well, and of course he goes back in the line which makes sense but how would Martin jump over all those guys? So you're telling me you're telling me that their rankings, which I didn't look at by the way, so pardon me if you're looking at it going, wait, this does make sense. You're telling me Martin jumped over MJF. Punk is now one. Martin's two. So wh- where was Hobbs after he beat Martin? Again, if you're talking about rankings in terms of sports, power rankings, or in college sports, you have the the writers and the coaches polls, and if a team is number whatever five and they lose to an unranked opponent or or in in this case i guess hobbs would have been ranked they would jump they would fall down so in theory hobbs should have been ranked higher than martin again this is just a flawed system that i'm trying to make sense of and no one can so if you can get all past that right if you can get past all of that (laughs) and good luck martin is number two and out comes hangman and i'm like okay (sighs) so then oh you know what Uh, one other thing and again i hate to drag this dante martin because so many things happen first of all where was his wins because if he beat i know he beat hobbs he did beat hobbs before losing to him but brother darius just returned he was in the the, the the excuse me the tag team battle royal so we know darius is back And if we're not seeing these wins on Dynamite or Rampage, what do they mean? What do they mean? I mean, we're going to talk about Scorpio Sky later on this same topic. But it's like, I just don't get it. And you would think that Darius is back. They're going to focus now on Top Flight. So in essence, this ended up just being another showcase match for Dante because they clearly love Dante Martin. I'm not saying they shouldn't because he has a great future ahead of him. But there's so many more guys ahead of him that could have had this match. And just gotten that rub because that's what it is it's a rub you knew dante martin was going to lose this match he's because it's for the title they could have made it a non-title have him had a surprise win but that's also weird so they didn't do that at least but so many things that you just go what are they doing so hangman wins and we move on so now i imagine dante is going to focus on the tag team division finally with his brother And they they eventually will be the tag team champions. Top Flight has tremendous potential. So, again, with the contender situation. Thunder Rosa loses to Britt Baker at Revolution. Talked about it briefly, subpar match, whatever. Of course, Jamie Hayter and Rebel helped Britt Baker win, no question about it. I mean, there were so many things in this match where they were getting up on the apron. Of course, there was that moment where... Well, I'll talk about that in a second, but here's the thing. To me, it's just they do this number one contender match, right? They talk about so Thunder Rosa loses. Now she's going to wrestle Layla Hirsch to determine the number one contender again. Give me something more creative than that. If anything, she should be on the microphone yelling for Tony Khan or yelling for any AEW management. You saw that match. I shouldn't have to wrestle anybody. I want Britt Baker. Britt Baker, you get out here. Or go in the back and attack Rebel, attack Hater. Beat them down until Britt Baker will give you the match. Give Britt Baker a reason to give you a rematch as opposed to just having to wrestle Layla Hirsch, who, by the way, was getting a nice push. And was climbing the rankings, and then out of nowhere just has to lose to Thunder Rosa. It's a little bit much for me, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that. There was a way to go around that, to give Thunder Rosa a rematch, instead of her having to beat Layla Hirsch like that. So then they do this spot, by the way. Man, you know, talking about the match. I'm sorry, I had to go back. I got to go back to the the, the pay-per-view match, which was ridiculous, because I rewatched this for a second. They did a spot where a Hater throws in the belt, throws in the, the title belt, and Baker does a curb stomp. Curb stomps her face on the belt, and you get a two count. What is the? Why are we using foreign objects anymore? Why? Why are we using foreign objects? The same thing happened, by the way, pardon part my ADD and, and me going you know scatterbrain here but i was just watching major league wrestling the other day and they're doing good things but i'm watching a match with alex kane and and, and calvin tankman and the outside uh, the manager or bodyguard whatever you want to call him for alex kane is outside the ring and has some kind of foreign object and starts hitting tankman with it and in essence the referee has to stop the match his tankman couldn't walk so he goes up the ramp, Kane gets on the mic, he berates Tankman, calls him a, a loser, a failure, all these other crap words that's going to, of course, bring Tankman back. So after the ref calls the match off, Tankman comes back in. Now, here's what makes no sense. If you're booking this, I mean, uh, look at it twofold. Tankman could have done one thing. He could have easily just rolled out of the ring, taking a 10 count. Think about it. Things we don't see in wrestling. We don't make wrestlers look smart. We make them all look like jockheads, like idiots, meatheads. If Tankman rolled out of the ring says, I'm not going to let you pin me, I can't move because your guy hit me with a foreign object, I'm going to take a 10 count here, lose by countout. count out, then I'm going go to go a- to MLW management, and you're going to look at the videotape, and this guy's going to be barred from ringside next match, and then I'm going to beat you for your title. Could have done that. Instead, Tankman comes back, and eventually loses clean! He, so in essence, while the, there was interference, he decided to come back in because he was his manhood was challenged, or whatever you want to call it, and he ends up losing uh, on a roll-up pin or whatever it was. I forget exactly how he lost, but he wasn't hit with another foreign object to cause him to lose, so he kind of lost clean. So that just kills Tankman. Why, why? I mean, they don't make wrestlers smart. They really make him as dumb as possible. And that just bothered me here in terms of, like, the foreign object. What does it mean? If you're not beating anybody with it. You use the championship belt in this women's tag match. And, and, and they kick out on it. So again, foreign objects don't matter anymore. So that was just my rant on that. So I mean, this... But listen, as, as good of a show this was, Revolution, you have to get past some of it. It's hard to get past and ignore the kicking out of everything. And that that goes to the, the the three-way match for the tag titles. I mean, you have you have Red Dragon and Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, and I mean they, they kick out of everything. They kick out of everything. What can you? I mean, it's unbelievable. The Young Bucks are the worst, by the way. What, what don't they kick out of? But that's wrestling 2022. But I digress, as Taz loves to say. But I don't think he knows what it means. All right, so back to dynamite so i mentioned that thunder rosa killed layla Hurst's push just bizarre booking just bizarre booking and now we get this rematch in the cage This coming wednesday and i would be shocked if thunder rosa doesn't win she has to win for them to go to this extreme she has to win and i don't know if haters finally gonna cost Britt baker the match because they've always been teasing hater as not doing the dmd so therefore she has issues with baker or doesn't kiss her ass that we rebel does i don't know next up we get the andrade hardy family office segment and for the first three minutes of this segment this was turn off your tv that's how bad it was it was a bad monday night raw sketch it was horrible it was as bad as segment. it was it was wcw thunder bad it was any company that you've ever seen that had the worst segment ever this was it it was bad but it was rescued i'll tell you how in a second so they did so andrade who should have subtitles when he speaks he oh they did they used to have that but they can't i guess they can't do it while he's in the ring so they determined they're gonna vote hardy out but at the beginning private party wouldn't vote him out they had the thumbs up and then hardy is still looking at andrade and behind him we see private party put their thumbs down matt hardy turns around he questions what they're doing then he gets jumped behind by uh the butcher and the blade and then andrade and they all jump so now everybody's beating him up and then the music plays and it's jeff hardy and we're like wait what music is that like that's his wwe music how does he play it how are they getting to use that music and then I learn later that apparently WWE didn't own it and they used it and now I guess they didn't buy it back or something along those lines so Tony Khan was able to purchase this music if I'm understanding that correctly I apologize if I'm not but that's how it comes across to me and what I what I did my research on so yeah Jeff Hardy can use that music and I mean, they again came out at Rampage together as a, as a duo. So the Hardy Boys are going to be probably winning the tag titles by the end of the year now. <laughs> They'll hot shot that quickly. So now we get the main event. And... Alright, Scorpio Sky versus Sammy for the TNT title. Listen, apparently Scorpio Sky <laughs> has this incredible winning streak. A winning streak nobody would know about unless you watched YouTube, and I'm sorry. I, I who's watching their dark and dark elevation shows? I know people watch it. I'm not saying no one's watching it. But when's the last time Scorpio Sky had a match on Dynamite or Rampage that you remember winning? And who has he beaten? When has Scorpio Sky beaten anyone in the so-called ranking system that would warrant him? To be a number one contender for the TNT title, just because you have a winning streak doesn't mean that even Bill Goldberg in his 150 wins in a row had significant wins. He beat certain people that mattered. If you're beating a bunch of no-name jobbers who aren't even signed to your roster, they're just getting paid per diem or however Tony Khan pays people. It's just like, what does it matter? I don't know who Scorpio Sky beat. But yet again, something you have to look past and you're like, okay, well... Here it is. So if you can get past that ridiculous aspect, I mean, look, it's it's hard to remember much of anything in this match except for one spot, you know, the one where Sammy almost died? <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it by now. If you didn't even watch the show, it's I'm sure it's all over YouTube and every social media platform. I mean, so all right. The champion, Sammy Guevara, does a 620. Off the top rope, onto the outside floor, through a table. Scorpio Sky moved out of the way. So we crash and burns. And you're just like, is this guy trying to kill himself? I mean, this is crazy. This is absolutely insane. This man really is local in La Cabeza. He's nuts. And you're just watching this going, okay. He's going to be in a wheelchair by the time he's 40. That's all you can think. Wheelchair, 40, Sammy. People talk about Darby's risks. What was this? So the doctor comes to ringside. Ty Conti comes to ringside. They check on Sammy. They go to commercial. They give us the picture and picture. They come back. By the way, <laughs> it's funny that Ty Conti comes running down to the ringside. Right, <coughs> homewrecker, <coughs> homewrecker, and she's there, and. I don't know So they they dragged this out They just dragged this whole thing out Because they could have come back from a commercial And I don't know How about this instead How about Scorpio Sky rolls him into the ring And pins him One, two, three How how would he kick out of that? No one should Again, this is AEW So he can kick out of anything But at least they had the common sense this time To not have that happen If there's common sense being used at all here On some of these shows But You're like What are we doing here? The match would be over Just roll him in and pin him That's it But Scorpio guy is out there selling for the previous beating he had taken prior to going through the table. But he sold a long time before the and High Conti came out. (sighs) But I guess we need some kind of drama. And and they have to have long matches. They can't have a short match. That's one thing we've learned about this company. Can't have a short match. So we go to the conclusion of the match. And after we get an Ethan Page, a little bit of Dan Lambert, more Ty Conti, more Paige. Oh, Paige Van Zant sitting ringside now made her presence felt. And they all play a part. And then Scorpio Sky picks up Sammy, hits him with his finisher. And he's your new TNT champ. And that's how the show ended. And I went, what the hell did I just watch tonight? What did I just watch? This, this was scatterbrain. This was schizophrenic. This was, this was, <coughs> I don't know. But, yeah, a lot a lot happened in the show, a lot of I didn't care for. It was the complete opposite of the success they had in that pay-per-view, and I, I don't know what's going to happen, but of course, I'll be watching next week to see, but um, so oh, here's some other thoughts I had in terms of this match. Here's the thing: I mean, I was surprised Sammy lost. But it actually makes sense. Here's why. Okay, so Wardlow's getting the winner of this match anyway. So you know Wardlow's gonna, whether now again, this, I don't know about MJF and his fat, his his play in this next week, or this coming Wednesday I should say now. But they had to validate American Top Team because you, we've been seeing Lambert, Page, Sky, Van Zant. We've seen everyone, and they had to do something week after week. We get this group, so you had to give them something, right? I mean, it's a difficult decision for Tony Khan in terms of everything he has w- with Wardlow does Wardlow get the title so fast? does MJF of course Wardlow? and then they set up that feud what happens? I mean look this roster is beyond loaded look at this roster it's incredibly talented I mean there's no easy decision that you can make here and then of course I think Scorpio Sky is a transitional champion I would be surprised if he look if he doesn't lose next week to Wardlow, this coming Wednesday, he's gonna be maybe two months with the title, if that. I i, I just I don't I don't see it happening. But hey, I mean I guess we'll at least to see him see him on dynamite a little bit more. And there's my voice cracking, by the way. I've had to hit the pause button a couple times to get water because I've noticed my voice starting to crack. So the effects of COVID are now taking its toll on me as I continue to do this episode. Ugh. Son of a bitch. I forgot to mention that uh, Adam Cole confronted Hangman Page because Cole did lose. saying he, Of course, he said he got lucky that he beat him. He wouldn't beat him again. So I guess we're going to see that down the line. I mean, we did have Don Callis come out at the Revolution buy-in and basically promote that Kenny Omega is returning soon. So he's going to be injected into the t- world title pitcher. No surprise. He's a former champion. He should be. He lost to Page i mean you can't keep him out of there of course we'll see what they do with punk now that he should be the number one contender beating mjf listen aw is far from perfect but the one thing they aren't is boring they're never boring you may like or hate something but you're invested for the most part a couple things you don't care about of course But they make you want to watch. And sometimes it's for the wrong reasons. Sometimes there's there's train wreck Galore written all over it. But it's not boring. Now the only bad news they got this past week was the ratings. Even though Tony Khan of course spin it with the demo. For the Go Home show and the post pay-per-view show. Their ratings dropped under a million. And they dropped even more for the post show. Which isn't good. You don't want to have either show have your ratings drop. Now we get that the demo is important for advertising people who know TV or work in TV or just research this. I get it. The 18 to 49 people are they who they target to buy the advertising. Yes. Makes sense. However, it's hard to brag when you just lost viewers. But that's still what Tony Khan does like he, he, I'm sure people were asking him, oh, you just lost viewers for the last two weeks. Oh yeah. But we're number one in the key demo. We're number one in the key demo and we beat all the other sports. we beat basketball. we beat whatever is going on. And you're like, okay, well you have to spin it somehow. I mean, think about it. It's the equivalent. Let's put it in perspective. If my show had X amount of listeners and then I started to lose X amount of listeners, But I didn't care about the listeners I lost because, oh, I have a core audience who subscribes and maybe supports the show via Patreon. You know what I mean? Think about it. No, I wouldn't care. I mean, I would not, I would still be angry that I lost listeners. I wouldn't care if I have, like, how many people supporting the show. I would want to know why people stopped listening to my show. What did I do you didn't like? Instead, Tony Khan spins it and says, okay, well, we're still number one in the key demo instead of going... Well, why did we lose 50,000 people? What, 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 was, what rubbed them the wrong way? Now, I'm not saying he isn't asking those questions behind the scenes, but of course he has to put up the front and say, oh, well, we're still number one. But by the way, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge on those who may want to support the show financially or any way, shape, or form. Word of mouth, I appreciate it. Yes, I know I need to keep doing episodes, but I will. Moving along, I have tried to watch WWE. I watched the New Year's One Show, whatever the hell that crap was called, and uh, I mean, Snorfest. I mean, just bad. Bad, just bad. It's so bad. It, I mean, and this whole new Lesnar gimmick that I haven't had a chance to talk about with him being a happy-go-lucky lumberjack. I mean, dressed in flannel. It's just, like, what is this? What is this? It's so hard to watch. I mean, you know, occasionally they step in shit and they get something right. They They do. I'm not saying it's all bad But there's more bad than good on these shows And how about the fluff interview Pat McAfee did with Vince McMahon Everyone was so excited about this interview Oh Vince is in person And Pat's going to ask him questions And what happened I'm not going to say we didn't get anything from Vince We got some good answers Interesting story about him going to the professor's house And uh, trying to persuade him to change the grades One did, one didn't You know, Vince using a lot of profanity on the show, stuff like that. I mean, you know, I get he works for Vince, but I mean, come on. I mean, now my thought is this. Usually when you do an interview, there's what's called a pre-interview. So you ask the person, hey, can I ask you about this? Can I ask you about that? And the person will say, no, 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 I I can't talk about that. And that's called respect. That's how you get the person to come back. Because if you blindside somebody with a question, I mean, they could either just hang up on you or not answer it, and you're never going to hear from them again. So there's a way to do that. So my thing is either Vince said, no, I'm not answering any of these tough questions that you may have, or someone else within WWE said, Pat, you can't ask him this, you can't ask him that. And maybe that happened, maybe it didn't. It seems like now Pat is a fan of the business, and he appreciates the business, but as you watch his show, I think the guys around him, I don't know who all those guys are. Obviously, there's a producer, there's a a guy who... Takes phone calls, probably. I don't even. Well, actually, do they do phone calls? I'm not sure. But they have a lot of people on that show. They seem to know more about the business than Pat May. But I'm sure maybe they even said, hey, you can't ask Vince this because Vince is not going to like that. But it was a fluff piece. Now, apparently. Vince did announce, well, I watched it, I say I say apparently McAfee's going to have a match at WrestleMania. Initially, they said it was going to be against Vince. Now I'm hearing handicap matches, changes daily, by the way, with, with Austin Theory, who was one of the bright spots of the WWE program, along with, of course, Roman Reigns and a few others. But, I mean, how bad is that going to be, by the way? Vince going out there at 75 I don't know, is he going to wear a shirt or not wear a shirt? He still apparently is jacked. It's just going to be weird to see what he looks like. So, Braun Breaker now on the main roster. For those who don't know, that is Scott Steiner, excuse me, Rick Steiner's son, not Scott. And uh, he dropped the NXT title on a three-way. I think Dolph Ziggler won the match. Wow. I guess the ratings are that bad that they're putting everyone down there now. Now, the question is, I didn't see the debut. I need to go back and watch it, actually. I don't know. Did the fans care about Braun Breaker? Did they know who he was? That's the biggest key here is when you build a new superstar who I imagine Vince wants to push this guy to the moon as he is with Theory and other guys of of the future because you can't keep going back to the world. I mean the Goldbergs of the world with the the Saudi show, I mean that's bad stuff. You just can't keep going. Now of course the Saudis want Goldberg so he's there but in terms of the American audience you gotta start bringing in guys for tomorrow. so hopefully Austin Theory, Braun Breaker, and then some other guys in NXT who should have been called up by now, but haven't been, um, they will come up at some point. And uh, of course, you know, Vince, look what Vince can do. Vince has all the power in the world. If he doesn't think Braun Breaker is getting over, he's going to shove us down our throats. That's what he's going to do. He will shove him down our throats the way he did Roman Reigns. And Braun Breaker will eventually be a star. It's going to happen and look he has all the tools to be a top guy you've seen him work in nxt if you haven't go check it out it's good stuff i mean he's a good mike guy he he has good uh passion he has good i mean he has a lot of his 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 uh, father and uncle he has a lot of his father and uncle and he a lot of their traits so i mean he should be a star now we get a two-night wrestlemania by the way good luck filling those seats because I mean the last time I heard they were over like 50,000 maybe 60 remember there's a hundred thousand in that um in Jerry's uh Jerry's land 100,000 seats for two days 200,000 people are really you think that now a lot of those people might buy for both shows of course that makes sense a lot of people are gonna and I know they're giving a lot of deals there's they're making it sweet for the people who come and I think they're realistic about the fact that hey this this is gonna be hard to sell all these tickets so, of course, then they come out and make the announcement, or at least they have Owens challenge Steve Austin, and then Austin does this, which was really bizarre, like this video hit, and he, in, in essence, accepts Owens challenge, but now you, you read and you hear online again, take everything with a grain of salt, because this news changes daily, that it may be a match, or it may not be a match, it may just be a confrontation, I think, then, then I read that Austin isn't too happy about what's going on and what they're going to ask him to do, so it, there's a lot of variables with this match and with this show, and of course you get Roman and Lesnar, which I don't know what they're gonna do with the finish there. That that's a that's a hard book in terms of the you keep Roman champ more. I mean, what what do you how do you go from there? Now I guess Drew McIntyre can be in the picture at some point just because he's back on SmackDown. And here's the question that everyone talks about with this match: Roman and Lesnar. Now, I've always talked about you only need one champion because you could have the champion go to both shows. It could be like a traveling champion back in the territory days. Ric Flair used to go to every promotion and wrestle, except for WWE, of course. Anything that was aligned with the NWA is what I mean. And he would go to all the territories and defend his title. And I think it makes sense that the winner of this match, you get rid of the universal title because it never meant anything. And Vince tried to do everything in his power, including putting it on Roman Reigns to make it sound credible. But remember when it was the red belt and it was ugly, no one cared about it. And it was just like people like, get rid of this thing. And now could they get rid of it? I don't know. I don't know if they're officially going to get rid of it or not. But it, it could be unification, which could then lead to what? Could we actually get the end of the brand split? Which I hope happens? Because think about it. They're cutting their roster down so much now. And then you even have to ask the question, WrestleMania's coming up. There's normally post-WrestleMania cuts. Could they actually trim the fat more? Is that possible that more people can be cut? I mean, I guess if the NXT guys are ready, if they think they're ready, then they're going to bring more up. And more cuts can happen. So that that's a lot of interesting uh, thoughts right there in terms of the future of WWE with the with the potential cuts and then the brand split could that come to an end? Cuz I've been calling it for for a long time. Think about it. you can get more ratings on Raw if you have Roman consistently on both shows. If you have Brock consistently on both shows. I mean, everybody, you get your top guys, of course, your top 10 or 12 guys, have them go back and forth to both shows. Then you have other guys that may disappear for a little while via injury or whatever it may be. Then you get them to come out, and you keep everything fresh that way. You don't have to shove everybody down our throat every week, and, and and the roster's still big enough where it makes sense. Well, that wraps up wrestling. There's a lot more I could talk about, but this is the first show back. We'll, we'll just... Do it as I go. in the Podcast, coming back with some sports, then we'll wrap it up and say goodnight. All right, coming back after this. Tune in every Monday night at 10 p.m. for The Absolute Truth Show on Blog Talk Radio. Join the Hot Rod, Sean Black, and Lady T as they give you the truth on current events, politics, and everything in between. That's Monday nights at 10 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com slash theabsolutetruth100 where they tell it like it is. Welcome back to Morton's Law Podcast. This is crazy as I'm recording here on this Sunday evening at 820 right now. I just uh, received word through a bunch of group texts that Tom Brady is returning for his 23rd season. He tweeted out that he was just not ready and he realized over the last couple months that it's not his time to go. And he wants to be back on the field, that he's unfinished business and uh, he's gonna, yeah, he's going back to the Bucks because Arians made it pretty clear that he will not go to any other team. So I guess he inquired. I know there were rumors that he wanted to go to the 49ers. That's what people said. I don't know how true that is. It's a speculation, of course. But I guess Tampa Bay said, no, 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 we're not letting you out. You want to come back? You know, play for us. And look, they have the team. The team is in place. People even said that if Brady did leave, Tampa Bay would be competitive this upcoming season. Granted, they have some people in free agency, and I know Godwin is one of them. But if they can bring most of those people back, which is, of course, hard with the salary cap, and they don't need a lot. But Brady's back, and now Tampa Bay is probably going to be the favorite again. But yeah, he couldn't stay home. He couldn't stay home with the wife and kids. He's not ready. And listen, people say he has nothing left to prove. He just loves the game. It's not about proving anything it's it's hard to walk away I guarantee you when Michael Jordan walked away the second time at the age of 40 almost 41 he probably didn't want to walk away then but he had to be realistic that he just couldn't do it the way he did and while he still had some good 40 point games here and there it just it was it was tainting his legacy and and right now with the way Brady's playing even though they didn't win it all last year Brady still is playing, what, top five quarterback in the league still? I mean, how many are better than Brady? Not many. He still looks good for his age. So, I mean, hey, he's back. Okay. Speaking of being back, guess what else is back? Baseball is back. I'll pause for the excitement. Yeah, that's about what it's going to sound like, yeah, because no one <laughs> cares about baseball, okay? People do care, I'm not, but but it's an ultimate yawn for me at this point. I've talked about it, and I've been a bad fan. I mean, listen, I, I watched how many Yankee games last year? Not many. I tried to get into it, but I told people they weren't going to win. I said I didn't like the chemistry, the makeup of this team, the, the strikeouts, the inability to score runs with... Runners in scoring position, which is the key, the biggest key to baseball. You can't drive runners in. Forget about it. You're just waiting for the home run. And that's what baseball is. Listen, it's a dying sport. It's a dying sport. You got these guys. I mean, I, I forget the number, but statistically, last year was the lowest batting average, I believe, since the 1920s. That's how low batting averages have, have gone because of the, uh, the shift. And my biggest gripe with the shift is this? You're a professional baseball player. If you can't beat the shift, well then learn how to beat it. You have to figure this out and practice. Get the get. You have to learn how to go opposite field, throw down, drag down bunts, put bunts down, make them come out of the shift. Remember, not every guy is shifted against. Yankees have one of them, DJ LeMahieu. Nobody shifts against him because he knows how to hit the ball to every field, and that's what more guys need to do. That's the problem with the analytics and the home run and the uh, the angles and the arches and all these other things that make baseball suck. Because it's not fun anymore. It's not fun. And I know people still hold on to what it used to be, but it's not what it used to be. Baseball sucks. And it's already, listen, You, you forget about the inner city and kids who just want to play football and basketball. It's boring to everybody. People don't want, I work in the Upper East Side. And... and, and all kids, they they don't like it. It's boring to them. Well, they play it, yeah, but no one's watching it, and not many want to play it. But no one's watching. I and mean, baseball's a dying sport, and ratings-wise, no, who cares about baseball on TV? The only thing I care about is my fantasy draft that's upcoming. I'm now what three years removed from winning a championship. I got to get back on that. It's a competitive league, not easy to win. I mean, we got two guys in the league. 20 years and they haven't won once think about that 20 years in the league and they have not won once I've won twice and I've been in a championship a third time so listen again I'll watch I'll follow I'll report for this podcast and other things that I do but it's not I'm not gonna care and I'm not gonna care about the Yankees the way I used to I would love to care about the Yankees the way I once did I used to love watching in the 90s when they when they broke the streak of not winning a championship for what 18 years from 78 to, uh, to 96 when they won that and then they went on to three Yeah, they, they did the three P after they lost in 97, of course, to the Indians. But I mean baseball was and I'm not saying it's look, it, ha- it it's only started to suck the last couple of years with the analytics. But they they have and again and then another thing, can you believe Cashman brought back Again, this was told to me. I didn't look it up because when I look, I don't want to look it up and be nauseous. But someone told me that Cashman brought back Brett Gardner or should I say bum Gardner for, well, that's a different, that's a picture, but <laughs> I call Brett Gardner bum because he's the most mediocre Yankee of all time. They put him on a pedestal. This fucking guy, they're going to retire his number one day because he's been a Yankee so long. I mean, he's going to die soon as a Yankee. This guy's been on the team forever and He sucks. He's the idiot who slides headfirst into first base. They've proven time after time it doesn't get you that faster. This idiot still slides headfirst. He's an idiot. Oh, I can't stand Brett Gardner, and he's still on the Yankees. Oh, my God. I'm I'm done. I'm done. I, I Again, I'll watch sporadically, because I'll care about my fantasy team, but I'm, I'm not getting into baseball. I'm not, I don't know what the, I, we'll see what free agent brings. I mean, the Mets are going to look good. Listen, by the way, I, I'm the ultimate jinx, as people know, anyone who knows me. I made a comment about the Mets finally having a team that can compete for a World Series, and they do. Their roster's legit. They have a good starting, obviously getting max Serzer now. And if DeGrom can stay healthy, you know, eh, good luck with that, but the rest of their team is loaded now. They got some they got offense in there. I mean they get Sterling Marte, great outfielder. And the Mets can compete. And I made that comment during the negotiations when the lockout happened and everything. Oh, how apropos, you know, and, and ironic, the Mets finally have a team to, to compete and now they're not gonna get to play. So of course that backfired. Now they're playing. So I'll have to sit through the Mets. Although with their slew of injury history, we'll see how that holds up. I'm gonna get killed for that. And there's a lot of meth fans that are gonna kill me right now. So that's people that I know. <laughs> like, how dare you jinx my team? Now everybody's gonna get hurt. Sure just 37. What do you think? His arm could fall off at any moment. The Grom's arm is already half off. Sorry. Just telling the truth. So the Bears trade uh, new GM, Ryan Poles, trades Khalil Mack. I mean, uh, he had a. They had to listen. the Cap space is important there. He's making all this money. They tra- trade him to San Diego, who's now loaded on defense. I mean, they're gonna be good luck uh, with whoever well, quarterback faces that D line now. Holy shit! You got Bosa and Mac. They're loaded. But uh, yeah, they had to free up the space and they and they had to accumulate draft picks. Remember, they lost a lot of draft picks for that Trubisky trade up, and uh, they lost the other draft pick for the Mack trade. So they've been killed with, with, with uh, draft picks recently, and now they have a second rounder, and then I think they have a what? I don't know why they got a fifth in the, in 23, but they did, and now there's more space to do other things and maneuver. I mean, look, we, we see the off-seasons in the NFL, a team can be bad one year and just come back and, and have a good draft and keep everyone healthy, have good rookies. I mean, look at the Bengals' prime example. Bengals went from a losing team. Now, granted, Burrow was out that year, but they draft Jamar Chase. They have a bunch of other guys come on the line, and, and the team just meshes. Everything clicks. You never know with the NFL. things. I mean, great teams turn into bad teams because of injuries. It happens. Can't predict this. And then uh, what do we get? Uh, Cooper gets traded from the Cowboys to the Browns. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Uh, reportedly, Cooper had some choice words for Dak Prescott calling him the Black Kirk Cousins. Again, reportedly. I don't know if this actually happened or not. If it's more known that it did happen, then, then I guess it did happen. But this is what I was told. So Cooper now goes to Cleveland where he gets stuck with somebody worse than Kirk Cousins. His name is Baker Mayfield. It doesn't get better, sir. I don't know why you said those things. You had a better quarterback, and now you have something. You have Baker Mayfield. Good luck. It would be gold, though, if somehow the Browns traded for Kirk Cousins. (laughs) And now he's on the team with Kirk Cousins after saying that. That's funny. But I read today the Vikings don't know what they're going to do with Cousins. I guess they're entertaining all offers from everywhere because they want to trade him. But, yeah, I mean... The NFL is going to be a lot. And now with the Brady announcement, the NFL, wow, this is going to be a good upcoming season. That's for sure. Here's the thing. Talk about sports in general and how baseball has fallen off with the analytics. Basketball is not what it used to be. Football, some people could argue it's not what it used to be. A lot of the rules of protecting of the players and all these other things can't touch the quarterback. But I, I think football has taken the least hit of all the major sports in terms of I still need to see these games. I still want to watch football. When the Bears suck, I still want to see them. I mean, now I'm a little bit more realistic in terms of, oh well, if the team can't win, I care less, but I'm still going to watch. Versus the Yankees, where they might win 100 games, but if I don't like the, the players on the roster and think they're going to cl- be clutch in the postseason, well, I'm not watching. I'm not watching. I know these players are going to fail. And I knew they were going to fail last year. I called it. But... So real quick with the NBA, what can I tell you? The Bulls, you know, with their injuries, Levine is in and out of the lineup. Caruso came back last night. they won a couple in a row now, but the Chicago Bulls went from the one seed to now I believe they're the four, and they're just going to keep dropping. I know if Ball comes back and Caruso's healthy with Levine, maybe they can stay, can stay around four or five, but... Listen, the Nets are coming, okay? The Nets just put everyone on notice with the trade last week when James Harden went to went to Brooklyn, and they found out, well went to Brooklyn a little while ago, but the, they had the game last week in Brooklyn, and Kevin Durant and company just laid it on them, and they just beat the—they beat, what, Philly by 30? That was ugly. And no surprise, James Harden comes up short in a big game. Gee, go figure. James Harden, the guy that everyone loves to talk about his stats and loves to talk about his scoring— and all this other stuff, and James Harden has no rings. And I said this, and I'm, I'm this is probably going to be another jinx, as the Sixers now will go through the, the East and then go to the Finals. James Harden will never win a ring because of a game like that. The game he just had against the Brooklyn Nets is a game or two he will have in the postseason, and the Sixers will lose because Embiid can't do it by himself. And now, without ben simmons i don 't know look let 's see what happens with that i 've been a supporter of Ben Simmons for mental health i 've talked about mental health on this show. He has to get on the court now I know he has his back issue, which I was completely unaware of and was told recently about his injury. I just thought he wasn 't in shape and not conditioned. I know it was a little bit of bolt there, but if he 's healthy, wow, the nets are going to be the nets are going to be tough to beat and they 're going to get in trust me they 're going to get I know this whole Kyrie mandate situation um, You know, he couldn't play today, but the Nets still won. They beat the Knicks. Durant, what, at 49, I think. Incredible uh, performance by him. But the Nets, once they get in, and they will get in, and they're going to either – look, they're going to be playing either Milwaukee, Philly in the first round, and that's a tough one. Because one of those two teams, as good as they are, could go out in the first round to the Nets. And, yeah, I mean – that's that's tough. And then the Bulls, probably, I know the Celtics just lost today at home to the Mavericks, blowing a nine-point lead that I predicted. They lost at home, so they're the five still. And I don't know. I mean, I know the Bulls aren't capable of beating any of the teams I mentioned. They, they can't beat the Sixers because Embiid just kills Vucevic because Vucevic is soft and can't guard, can't block anyone's shot, and just is horrible against a pick-and-roll. And Rosen is another one I've talked about. A great, great regular season. Hey, listen, he's a top five guy in MVP voting right now. Thirty points a game. Had another good one last night. He has not done it in the postseason. Not gonna go down that road again. I'm talking about his failures in Toronto, but fourth quarter. Let's see what he does in the postseason. I don't trust Zach Levine. I definitely don't trust Vucevic. So if you're a Bulls fan, enjoy your regular season because the postseason's not gonna last long. I'm telling you that right now. And uh, how about LeBron James? By the way, I dump on him as much as I can. I call him LeFraud. I call him Queen James. I tell you that there's a movie coming out this coming fall, "The Queen and I," starring LeBron James. But you can't deny what he's doing. And listen, he has no help right now. He has no help at all. It, it, the numbers he's putting up, the 50-point games he's been putting up lately, it's it's incredible. His 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 efficiency is more impressive than anything. The man shooting, I believe, 50% to share, and he's 37 michael jordan didn't do that okay i'm the biggest jordan guy there is on the planet and some people's joy may have just fell on the ground hearing me say that but when jordan was in his last couple years before he retired in 98 he was field goal percentage was down like to 47 lebron's still over 50 and he doesn't take just layups. he shoots a decent amount of threes and makes them so his numbers, his rebounds, his assists, I mean, he's he's a freak of nature, his physique, everything about him, no sign of decline. But again, he's one man with no AD and a bunch of, who are these people? What what are they going to do? I mean, they get a little out of Malik Monk here and there. I don't know who's coming. I don't know when Davis is coming because he's, he's made of plastic, so he's liable to get hurt again. I mean, what did they, who did they just bring in? They just signed another guy from an ex-bull, I forget his name, but... I can picture him, but I can't think of his name. I mean, they're signing anyone they can to come in and produce because there's nothing there. And they're going to still get in in terms of the new playoff format because I looked at the standings the other day, and they're not going to fall so far where they're going to go past 11. So they're either going to be 10 or 11. They're going to get the Clippers or the Wolves in the first round, or in that play-in game, I should say. And then, yeah, they're going to be looking at Phoenix, Memphis, or Golden State. Golden State's getting healthy. Uh, Wiseman is around the corner playing G games. Clay put on a Clay performance Saturday night against Milwaukee, blowing out the Bucks. What did Clay have? Almost forty in that game. Uh, it just looked like Clay from a few years ago. And listen, it's going to take time for Clay to become that consistently. He's had sporadic games here and there since his return, but to do it over the course of time, every game in and out, he's still getting his legs. When he gets his legs, Draymond Green's coming back, I believe, Monday. Look out. because the goal, Now, they might not catch the Suns because the Suns have played really well without Chris Paul, surprisingly. Uh, Cameron Payne has stepped up, former Chicago Bull, who we ran out of town because he was horrible. He clearly has learned how to play the game since leaving Chicago because he's working that Suns offense along with Booker, who Booker even missed some games. Now, he's back. They actually played the Lakers tonight, which should be a fun game. Because uh, Booker and LeBron could go for 50, which is quite possible. But the Suns are not going to relinquish that one spot, I don't think. So now it's going to be between Golden State and Memphis for that two seed. And they're going to end up getting... Now, again, I think the Lakers are one and done. I, I personally, A lot of people say, oh, they're experienced. Oh, LeBron this. Oh, LeBron that. Minnesota's not ready. So, yeah. Could they beat Minnesota and get into the playoffs? Yes. But I don't know. And then if they do get in, whether they're playing Memphis or Golden State or Phoenix, forget about it. I don't, I don't give them a chance. Now, people say, oh, Memphis isn't ready. They're still young. Jay Morant learning how to win. Maybe. Maybe. But I think they're going to outrun them in the long run. They're going to get them tired. Again, is AD there? Is he not there? there? There's a lot of question marks. But ultimately, the Lakers are going to be out very fast. And then we've heard the stories about LeBron wanting to play with his son. We'll see what happens there with the future. And, uh, yeah, any other NBA news I'm trying to think about right now that has happened this past week? I mean, aside from the Knicks, the Knicks, whoosh, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, that loss today. I mean, Kyrie not playing. They still found a way to lose. That offense just gets stagnant sometimes with Tough to watch. And, yeah, I don't don't see them finding their way into that that 11 spot because they're, what are they now, 28 and 40? Brutal. Thibodeau lost his mind today on a couple bad defensive uh, breakdowns. You had to see it. The Nets got out and running off turnovers, and he's just, ugh, that's not going to last much longer. It's just hard to watch a lot of today's players. They just don't do the right things on the court. You just see it, you see the bad passing, you see so many cross court passes that are just picked off. You see guys driving in the lane when they have a layup and then they try to pass it to a guy cutting, that gets picked off. You see the passes that should be bounce passes and they're not and they get picked off. Like what What are you doing? You're swinging that ball, you gotta bounce it. Guys, guys are in the lanes. There's so many bad basketball plays you watch across this league in every game. It's painful to watch. It's such a bad game. It really is a bad game. But you get, you know, there's moments where it's good. You get I'm not saying everything is bad. You have your good teams I just mentioned. And they play the right way for the most part. Still too many threes. Um, so then, all right. I'm a bad fan here also, by the way. I've watched very little college basketball this year. Very little. And the tournament selection show just happened a couple hours ago. And I watched last Saturday night, North Carolina against Duke. I think I've seen three Tar Heel games all year. And you know why? Because my interest is slim to none. Plus, I know, again, talking about chances to win. I know Hubert Davis isn't going to get the one and doneers. okay? He's not going out there like Harold Perry is and all these other guys who are going to just get these star kids that are going to be in the draft next year. He's going to build a team. And I need to be more patient and understand that and just say, okay, well, we have a, we have a good nucleus. We're going to have a good team, and they're going to compete. But are they going to win a national championship? Probably not, unless he goes out and gets some of these one-and-donners. So I didn't watch. I saw a game against Kentucky this year where they got just obliterated. Then I think I saw a game in the Big Ten. Who'd they play? I forget what it was. Saying. They got destroyed there too. And I was like, okay, I know this team just isn't that good. But the ACC as a whole is not good. So they ran through the conference for the most part, aside from getting smashed at home to Duke and then maybe losing another game here and there on the road. But they had a really strong conference record. And then they played Duke in Cameron, which was Coach K's final home game. And all the stars were out. You had all the former Dukies in the building. Grant Hill, Sheldon Williams, Christian Laettner. The list goes on and on. Even Jay Williams, who got caught on camera, by the way, when Carolina's making a big run, putting up the T.O. sign, calling a timeout. Coach K didn't call a timeout on that play. I wonder if it got back to K that Jay Williams is calling a timeout, wondering why you didn't call one. (laughs) That was funny. Carolina went on this big run. And, uh, yeah, they had. I mean, Armando Baycott is decent. I don't even know if he's a pro. Probably not. I don't know the way they play today. He can't shoot more than 15 feet unless they bring back the mid-range game, (laughs) which only a few players in the league do. Um, You know, R.J. Davis is something. Caleb Love is the most inconsistent player I've ever seen. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. And then this guy, uh, Manic, this transfer from Oklahoma, who looks like Teen Wolf. He uh, had a really good game against Duke, but then came back and he shit the bed along with everybody else against Vatek Saturday night. Excuse me, uh, Friday night. And they went out in the tournament, but then they got the 8-seed, Right? What are they? I think they're the eight. Yeah, they're in the the eight nine game in the NCAA tournament, playing Marquette. Uh, I'm not going to tell you. I know much about this this year college basketball. I know the number one seeds. I know Baylor's looking to repeat. Do will they? Will they even face Gonzaga again? And that would be awesome, by the way. If you get a Gonzaga Baylor rematch in the tournament again for the championship, that'd be pretty cool. Although Baylor has had a lot of injuries. Don't forget, they lost a lot of guys to the draft and graduation so balor while they've done this it's impressive that they've done it without the people they don't have from last year so we'll see how far balor can go and there's a lot of other stuff i won't even talk about because i don't know of course my goal is to just get duke out as early as possible i <laughs> just want him out get him out <laughs> and then we'll go from there can Gonzaga finally uh, overcome the obstacle of winning the big game. I mean, that's that's the big question now. Can Gonzaga finally win it? I mean, I know they're the overall number one out west, and uh, the bracket seems relatively. I mean, they have Duke as the two seed, of course, but uh, and then Duke did beat them in the regular season in, in a neutral site game. So, but Duke has some issues. I mean, Duke ended up losing that ACC championship game to vatech and so Duke is vulnerable, as we saw in the last week or so, losing to Carolina and vatech So they can be upset. But I'll be watching this uh, Bracketology on ESPN soon so I can go over everything and look at it and make my decision and make some picks for this upcoming week. And the madness is here. March madness is here. All the upsets. I just learned that uh, Sister Jean, loyal Chicago's back in. If you remember uh, all their games last year and the last couple years, uh, most likely just bet the under because they don't score and they hold everyone down. I don't. I don't know if that's the same case this year. I have to look that up before making foolish bets. But um, if you remember some of those ugly games last year in the 50s, Jesus man, that was hard to watch. But it was good basketball. In terms of like they played good defense. And I, I talked about this on the podcast last year in the tournament and you know, the difference between bad shot selection and good defense. And they did everything that I teach kids in basketball in terms of hedging on screens and not overplaying and not selling out in terms of ball movement. Like you see in the NBA, the biggest thing guys do when the ball moves, everybody runs like a chicken with the head cut off. Like, what are you doing? Stay home. Where's your guy? Or if you're in a zone, hedge, what do you it's just like there's so much bad basketball on defense. But when I watched that Lily Chicago team, I was like, they are making all these teams like make extra passes and they're there. They're not they're not getting lost on the high pick and roll. Guys are there. They're contesting everything they did was right. And they just made teams play ugly games because of that. Cause you don't see it. You don't see teams play and get in your ass like that defensively. So I'll I'll do my research on them and see what they look like this year. But uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, um, I haven't done a show in so long. Uh, I got to do my plugs. The uh, absolute, you know what? I need to do my read, but I don't have it here. So I have to edit this right now and then go back. Three, two, one. So yeah, that wraps up another edition or the first edition in a long time of Morton's Law Podcast. I'll get this out to everybody soon and uh yeah check out the uh the box seat suck podcast i don't even know if they're still doing episodes to be honest with you but check them out check out past episodes i'm sure with the season coming up they'll be back in full force and um check out the absolute truth show that i will actually promote during this episode so you'll get to hear that read that i did for them and uh yeah thank you everybody please spread the word good to be back take care and god bless gay sex.